to the game of life. I'm your host, Gail Nelson, president and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters Miami, and I am just pleased to have a pro in the studio today, Coach HP, Hector Pinate, entrepreneur, creative speaker, just a man I've known for about approximately five minutes, and I love him already. Coach HP, welcome to the game of life. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. Gail, I'm going to start off right from the beginning because on, I've, I've been doing research on you ever since. Uh-oh. Our girl Tina came up to me and said, listen, I'm going to put you in contact with a tremendous dude mm. and a tremendous cause. And I started doing research and, and a couple of things I wanted to tell you right from the beginning. All right. <clears throat> Man, you're blessed with a good voice. I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised uh, some radio station hasn't grabbed you already and done like the Gale Love Hour or something like that. Because you <laughs> got a voice. It's a quiet storm coming dude, to you it's, live. it's on fire. <laughs> and I, no one ever mentioned that in any of the episode. I wanted to start off with that. Thank you, brother. You got tremendous energy. You, I'm, I'm a guy that speaks the truth. Um, the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball by far. None of your guests have failed more than me. And as a guy that breeds authenticity, I wanted to come here and personally give you some love. Make sure that everybody sees what's happening here because this situation that you're in would not be near as good if it wasn't for a dude like you at the top. So I have no idea what you do here. I know your title, but I don't know anything else. <laughs> but just off watching the videos alone and the vibe that I get, it's super special. And like I told you on the way up here, anything I can do to help you, whether it's cut the grass downstairs or talk to as many people as possible, you got my word, I'm going to be there for you. First and foremost, thank you, Tina, for Tina Vanderven. Special shout out to... Uh, also known as Wonder Woman, for bringing, making this match, letting me know about Coach HP. She thought the world of you, thinks the world of you, and I, I see why. I mean, I, and sincerely and humbly, I thank you for your feedback. Uh, I work for the kids. I serve as president and CEO of this wonderful organization. Uh, we make matches. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a minute, but I want to learn a little bit about you, brother. Tell me your personal leadership journey. What's your per- you mentioned, you know, with an intro like the biggest failure in history, you know, in baseball history here in Miami. Let's talk about Coach HB. I want to get to know you. Talk, talk to us. Migrated. We're immigrants from Cuba. All right. Uh, my dad, being the youngest of 15 kids coming to this country, we went from Cuba to Spain. We were there for a little bit. Then we came to Miami. And we weren't <clears throat> super poor, mm-hmm. but my dad worked for Pepsi for 30 years as a blue-collar worker. My mom cleaned houses, was a housekeeper for the majority of our youth growing up. And my situation was very interesting because I identified with everything that I did. My whole life was sports, baseball, period. That, okay. that was my whole journey. And my dad went all in on that. And as I do what I do now, and I say I'm the biggest failure in what I did, was because nobody prepared me more for life than my dad, and he prepared me for everything except how to deal with him. Mm. Just think about that. This dude, all he did, we went to Disney World one time, like in 1983. Every weekend, every holiday, all we did was play sports, play baseball, play baseball, play baseball. And the reason why I bring that up is because what I do now and what separated me from everything and I do what I do right now is I worry about giving and I worry about giving people love 
that majority of the people don't do. Right. So that's why I come in here first and I give you love because if it's not for your effort, if it's not for your dedication to this podcast, to this whole situation, this whole organization, I wouldn't be here. And it seems very easy because we walk into a beautiful studio and hey, hit play and everybody starts talking, Drake's there, it's all sexy. But guess what? Nobody sees the ground level. No doubt. And That's right. my whole thing in anybody that I touch in any level is that, okay? So I'm playing baseball. All the hype you could imagine. Everything was beautiful. I'm a victim of sports abuse. And it's rare because we don't talk about that. But my dad used to beat the crap out of me when I didn't perform in the level that he thought I should have performed. And you were looking at him a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. This is pretty much till I was 13 years old. I wanted to, and what kid doesn't want to do good? That's right. And please their parents. And please their parents. And it's the only thing, and we don't talk about that enough. Now, whatever situation you're in, some people don't have parents. Some people have one parent. Some people don't have parents. That's right. My situation is interesting, and that's why I think this show is so awesome, because every guest has a unique situation. No doubt. That seems unique to you, but guess what? There's somebody listening to this in Ohio. That's right. That goes, I'm that dude. That's right. And that's my dad. You know what I'm saying? Did your dad play baseball? He played baseball in a, in Cuba, never played it officially, never put on a uniform, but he played it in the streets of Cuba, so he thought, oh, this is pretty cool. Right. Unless you're in it with a uniform on, it's totally different. Oh, yeah. You watch a, you watch a basketball game on TV, it looks totally different when you're on the court, you're tired, you're nervous, it's all these things. So he missed that. He missed that empathy with a player with my result. And that's why I focus 100% on process, nothing on results. Because we can't control the results. That's exactly if right. If we could control the results, this podcast will have 25 million views. That's it. That's it. But With we your can't. help, we're going to get there. No, well, we're, we're, I'm telling you, <laughs> we're, we're going to promote this place. But that was the thing. So long story short of, of the past, failed miserably in baseball. When I got to high school, I developed identity issues because my dad enslaved me. Yeah. So he controlled every single thing. And... In the 90s, in the, in the 80s and in the early 90s, because I graduated high school in 97, where do you escape when you don't have a TV in your house? I mean, sorry, in your room. When you're, you're with your dad 24-7 and he's abusing you through the sport and through his temperament, where do you escape? Escape in your head. So I created this mentality of, don't worry about it, when I get older, and I can control my destiny, I'm going to do things totally different. I'm going to take every positive that this guy did, the work ethic, the honesty, the sincerity, the, the way he attacked problems, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. But I'm going to take everything negative that he did, mm. not bring it on into my life, but use that to help the parents of the world that want their kids to be a superstar. I go, let me tell you something. Remember, everything has a price. That's right. And these kids that are so much better than all these other kids, there's a reason for that. And, and the reason why I explain that is because I train a lot of big leaguers, a lot of professionals, kids. Not one of them sits there and watch their kid while I'm training them and starts talking to them like, Raise your elbow. Look at the ball. Do this. You know what they do? They stay quiet. They're on their phones. They don't even say anything. 
But then you get an accountant who's never hit a baseball in his life, and the guy won't shut up talking to his son and driving him crazy. <laughs> Why? Because <clears throat> everybody wants to matter. That's right. And they want to step in, and they want to step in. And to be successful in anything, you got to understand where your lane is. You got to understand that if you're living a life of spirituality, the winning is in the promoting others and in the giving. As I think about what you're saying, you're talking boundaries. You're talking uh, the infectious living virtuously through uh, your, your kids. Uh, and that's why I asked if your dad played baseball at all. But, you know, it, this is happening all across the nation where parents are losing their mind and helping their kids lose their mind. How old were you when you said, when I have control? Because, again, this is a mentoring podcast. And a mentor, you heard me say this on every show, a mentor by definition is a trusted friend and counsel, somebody you trust. Who better than a parent? You want to please them, you trust them. And so uh, your dad mentored you, clearly. But mentoring takes place on the street every day. There's mentoring in gangs where kids trust whoever's in charge, whoever's the authority or has the muscle. How old were you when you said, when I'm able, when I have the control, when I'm driving, I'm going to do, I'm going to turn this thing around. How old were you? Super young. Uh, super, Man. super young. That's super impressive. Young. Because I go, there's, there's, there's no way. There, I go, there's no way I can live life like this right. and be happy. So I became this, I became almost a secret. You know the book, The Secret? Yes. Talk, I became the secret before the secret existed. Wow. It, to myself. And I'd project this life that, that we live now, that I'm living now. And I go, you know what? I'm a, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. But to get to this point, after I failed miserably in high school, my dad would peacock my baseball skills. That's how he peacocked. Look oh, how yeah. great my son is. Oh, and, yeah. and I get it. But what happened was when I got to high school, I had identity problems. So I started to do anything other than what I should have done. Okay. I'll give you an example. I should have been a contact hitter. Be very fundamentally sound. That's how I was successful. But I wanted to be the opposite. I want to be a showboat kind of guy because I wanted attention because I wanted I'm, I'm compensating for who knows how many things. Oh, yeah. And I did horribly. Not one scholarship, not one anything. Like, I'm telling you, the biggest failure by far of, of where that got, got me. I walked on to the best team Miami Day's ever gotten. Made that team in a heartbeat because I got focused. After I made that team, sabotaged myself again halfway through the, the season. That ended miserably bad. Went to a school in North Carolina. Was there for a year. That went miserably bad because I couldn't perform because I, I had these. What I'm living now in my life, which we'll get to that a little bit later, I had a vision of this, but I didn't know how to get there. Because okay. all this beautiful stuff didn't exist. So I'm like, well, I, I, I need a voice, but I need to be on a stage. So I got I to gotta go to Hollywood. So at the time, J-Lo was producing a TV show called South Beach uh, with Vanessa Williams. I got on it, and I, and I, and I acted, and I did a, after that, I did a, a student film that got nominated for a film festival in Santa Monica, and I got nominated for Best Actor. And I go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Los Angeles, and I'll become an actor. So I saved up, I think, about like 700 bucks, and I moved, and I lived in a car for six months and it's crazy because when you live in a car and you don't know anybody you realize why homeless people lose their mind right because you have all your belongings 
in a car. So I slept in the Hollywood Hills in a 19, it was like a 1998 Toyota Corolla. I had everything in there. And I'm a pretty big dude, so I would sleep in the Hollywood Hills where they had very narrow streets and I would sleep up there. I would shower and shave at the Equinox. So at least I got a, I got a top gym. And I would, and I hate to say this, but I did this. I had a year membership at Sunset Tan, so I looked like a million bucks. <laughs> you were looking good, I, brother, I going back good. to that I'm Toyota in, Corolla. I'm in shape. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> but all I would do is go to the gym, come back to the Corolla, sleep up there, and I went pilot season. Now, this is what you don't know. If anybody wants to become an actor and want to move to Los Angeles, here's the thing. If you go in January, it's freezing in Los Angeles. I thought it was sunny California. Right. So that was like Miami. I go, this is no big deal. <laughs> Gail was like 30 degrees at nighttime in those hills. Oh, my God. And I'm freezing. So I would come in. I would turn on the heater in the car, which is super dangerous, on a non-moving car. True. And I couldn't sleep the whole night through because they're so uncomfortable. And there's a couple times that my foot would fall asleep in reverse. Oh. So I would wake up and like literally my bone would touch because I had slept all messed up. And at that point, I was so determined to become an actor that I go, there's no problem. I'll just amputate my leg. I would, I would think this at th three in the morning. I would amputate my leg and I'll just, I'll, I'll continue what I gotta do. And I got so lucky, a guy who created The Groundlings, which is one of the most famous improv theaters ever, and this is where I started to notice the patterns of life. So I leave Miami and I leave baseball. I go, this is, this is not for me. This whole baseball thing has sabotaged my whole life. Right. It sabotaged the relationship with my dad. It sabotaged everything and I'm a failure. I'm a failure with this, so I wanna run away from that. So I go to Gary Austin's class. Gary Austin created the Groundlings, greatest guy. And when Helen Hunt won her Academy Award for As, Get as Good As It Gets, she right. thanked a couple people, he was one of them. One of the best improvisational teachers you can find. I'm sitting there, and I go to his first class. Three and a half months after living in my car, it's the one contact I come with a, with a person that isn't a vehicle or anything, or the gym person, like, hey, what's right. up? So I didn't want to talk to people because I became paralyzed of living in my car. I, I thought it would be the opposite. I thought it would be this guy you see now, Coach HP. Hey, what's up, guys? Okay, cool. See you later. I sleep in my car, and then we hang out tomorrow like if I slept in a neighborhood house. Mm -hmm. But I didn't do that. I paralyzed myself. But I, I had a feeling that that acting class was going to help me. I went there, and the first time I see this dude, he's wearing a retro Houston Astros baseball jacket. And I go, oh, I got this guy. And he gave a baseball analogy. And I raised my hand. I said, Professor, I used to be a baseball player, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you're exactly right with that analogy. And me and this dude hit it off so well. He created the character of Pee Wee Herman. Pee -wee, uh, Paul wears his suit. And after that, he goes, tell me your story, because there's not too many Cubans there in, uh, in Los Angeles that were acting. And I go, listen, I came from Miami. I'm living in my car. He goes, that's awesome. We go, yeah, yeah but I'm going to follow my dream. I think I'm going to do this. So he had a, another workshop at his house, and his wife said, you can't sleep in your car. Come inside. You can stay with us. And I was so determined. I said, listen, how about we do Make a deal. I don't want to get soft. I don't want to get uh, comfortable. Because what I preach to people, to human beings, to kids, is that adversity is a winning player's no best friend. No doubt about it, because you had a championship mentality. Best friend. The winning is in staying uncomfortable. Right. You know, I almost wish that the studio had wasn't this good, because I want people to see that the winning is, and what separates us is those that get uncomfortable, in the comfortable, in the uncomfortable, 
There's no excuses in anything. That's exactly And just right. look at opportunities and everything. And you train your mind to see that. Just like you train your mind to be health conscious. Just like you help yourself be a better dude. Like, you know what? I wasn't always the right here, but I'm going to fix this. I'm going to own up to it. And I don't think we're teaching that to kids. I think... I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of technology. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for technology. Right. But we're not understanding that. It's almost like we have to adapt with the times. It's almost like we have to teach kids now how to text and drive because everybody's texting and driving. Right. But so we're ignoring reality. No doubt about it. it. it, it it's what's happening. We got to teach kids. There should be a class on how to deal with social media, how to look at it, how to understand the difference between right. two dudes that came from nothing and are making something happen in a beautiful studio versus we just woke up today and we're here now and no doubt about life it. is great. But see, hard work pays off. And so that championship Every mentality, you know, it's when Shane Battier was here and he talked about, you know, oh, that dog, that tenacity that should be inside of us. We've accepted mediocrity. When mediocrity becomes the norm in sports or in life, this show is called The Game of Life. It's not a sports uh, podcast, but it's an illustration. It goes there, and Gail, mediocrity is always dying to creep no in. Doubt, no it, doubt, no doubt. It's like it's there's nothing like mediocrity because once you allow that to creep in, oh man, you're done. That's you're right. done. And you and you talked about Shane Batty, and I saw his episode. That dude, he has a kid that played baseball. I would see that guy at Palmer Park, yes, catching bullpen to kids, and kids are firing it off the dirt, and he's taking it off the kneecap like a champ. So it's stuff like that. That's right. That we have to start showcasing. That's right. That we don't. We showcase a lot of other stuff, which is awesome. That's Listen, right. private planes are phenomenal. Beautiful houses are phenomenal. Gorgeous. Everything is phenomenal. But the problem is because now anybody can compete because this social media stuff, which is amazing, right? it eliminated the process. Uh, 10 years, when I when I did it 20 years ago that I or when I moved to Los Angeles, I wouldn't have to have done it because I have social now. I could have done the whatever I wanted to do in my backyard, but I did it. So let me tell you the story. So I was in Los Angeles. I clicked with this guy, and I started acting. Everything that got me my acting gigs was baseball. I started. I never worked before. That's why I slept in my car. I go, what am I going to do? I'm going to get a job. I don't know how to be a bartender. I don't know how to do anything else. I got to keep my expenses down, which is another thing we don't talk about with young kids. That's right. Be smart. You smart. don't got to impress anybody. Right. You know, be, be who honest. You are. The, the truth is the honesty. I didn't do this. I went to New York. I went, I went to Los Angeles and I told everybody that I played for the Yankees because I wanted to fit in. Right. Biggest mistake I made. Living a lie. And, and that was my thing. And, and I was a, and I was always been a good dude. Right. I've never stolen anything from anybody. I was always super positive. I've never been a hater. I've wanted everybody around me to celebrate. But then a bad tendency to start off with a lie because how are you going to trust me? That's right. And Google was kind of getting there. <clears throat> yeah. So a couple of people Googled me because I, I have this thing about me. So I would hang out with top people. And they're like, oh, we like this dude. Let's really look up. Here's a lie. And that would hinder my, my growing Absolutely. process. So I go, I go, man, now here's the irony. I never played professional baseball. I'm in Los Angeles, I'm doing this, and I have the opportunity to go to the Dominican Republic with the, to do, they wanted to do a show, a producer wanted to do a show getting wealthy kids from Beverly Hills and doing, uh, showing the difference, the contrast in the Dominican Republic. Once they, I was there, a friend of mine, real good friend, is, uh, his dad runs the Mets down there. He's uh, the guy in charge of the Mets, of their farm right. system. Right. And I'm there for a day, I hit it off with, 
talk about a great mentor, man, a guy named Dave Jouse, who's been in the big leagues for like 30 years. He's a coach of the Pirates now. At the time, he was uh, the right hand to the president, senior advisor to the New York Mets, and we hit it off. And I became his right-hand man for a good time, and I would watch him, and I learned player development. I learned guys come from the Dominican with nothing, and we went up through the ranks all the way to the top. So I didn't have to lie. See how crazy that is? I didn't have to lie. But as a Cuban dude who thinks he has something going on, and I didn't understand. I didn't want to wait for the process. I wanted to cheat. If I could become boys with Gail, he'll put me on the show. And that, that, that was it. Instead of let me help out, let stuff happen exactly organically, right. and then watch how everything's blown. And see, the reason you're sitting in this chair today, and it speaks to you talked about a couple mentors. Your dad was a mentor. Yep. Because he planned, and, and again, you've heard my story on the various shows. Parents divorced when I was two. I met my dad when I was 18 in an airport, San Francisco International. So the California connection. So you're in an airport. Is that my dad? Ooh, I hope he's not my dad. Boom. <laughs> there he was. True story. So thousands of people, and he's like, you know, that was weird. Call and you were, you were 18 years old? I was 18 years old. Call me dad. The Did mind. you look like him? Just spitting image. Really? There's a Nelson look. You saw my son. You know, this is a Nelson look. So I'm thinking, well, that good-looking guy, he's got to be my daddy. Really? Uh, so no, long story short. Same voice? Same voice. Look at that, man. Same voice. Awesome. I mean, it's apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. That is awesome. You hear my son G2 talk. I'm not talking Gatorade either. <laughs> Gale 2, you hear him talk, sound just like his daddy. He doesn't have that smoothness. Yeah, he's smooth, but, you know, I just got a little bit you more. You got to get him more, uh, man. You, you, have the, you have the experience edge, on him. Yeah, that man. experience, but he's on his way. He's, He'll get it. He, he does, he's doing a show as well. But one of the things that's interesting, when I think about the man I am today, I got four beautiful kids, wife of 23 years. I'm the man I am today because what my dad wasn't. You talked about your dad and what he, I mean, that's a fire that's going to always burn inside of both of us. So we're kindred spirits in that sense. Big brothers, big sisters. My job. And the reason the studio is so nice, we built it for the kids. So no matter where they come from, whatever they're doing, when they come in here and tell their story, it's like, you know, the stage is not too big. Uh, The life is not too big. You know, in the game of life, everybody makes the team. But how you play is up to you. You That's can the live, separation. You can live the lie. That's the separation. You can live the lie or you can step up to the plate and do your thing. Effort. Come on. Everything, Gail, is effort and attitude. That's Those it. Those are the two things you can control. Yes, sir. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from, what you look like. You're fast. You're slow. You're short. Right. You're Cuban. You're Puerto Rican. You're not Puerto Rican. Effort and attitude. And yes, sir. ironically, as I, every failure that I did in Los Angeles, and, and look how crazy the irony of life is. I'm sitting there in Miami. And before I moved to Los Angeles, I'm watching a TV show called Lifestyle of Celebrity Realtors. And I'm watching this dude show houses all over California. He shows a house to Master P, Cindy Margolis, Keyshawn Johnson, all these. This is 2006. Right. I moved to Los Angeles yet. And <clears throat> I saw this dude, Brand New Bentley, house in Beverly Hills, just everything I wanted. And I was like... Man, if I could just have that, because we didn't have any money growing up. So I thought that money was happiness. I really right. did. That's, oh, yeah. And I went after it, like, with everything I had. And I saw this show, and, the, and I'll never forget this. So he's in a helicopter, ironically, with his boy. And they're going to appraise Neverland Ranch at the time. And as they go in a hel- helicopter, they look down and say, hey, isn't that your house down there? He's like, yeah, that's my house. He goes, how, how much do you think your house is worth? He goes, I don't know, man. I, I, I promised my wife we would never sell it. But I would say $30 million, you know? And I was like... I was like, wow, man, that's the life that I want. I moved to Los Angeles, six months in my car, a year and a half after that. I'm in that guy's house giving a lesson to his son on his tennis court. That's what I'm talking about. Tom Cruise just bought his house for $35 million, and I'm there. 
And I'm like, do, do you think this doesn't happen for a reason? I'm here right now because there's a reason. That's right. I, I failed miserably in Los Angeles only because I wasn't myself. So I was there for six years, did a lot, learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes, became the most successful trainer of baseball by far by anybody there. And then I said, you know what? My time here is up. So then I moved to a little town called Las Vegas. 